0: Go ahead now. So good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Comedy Cellar Show here on Sirius XM Channel 99. My name is Noam Dwarman. I'm here as always uh, with Mr. Dan Natterman. Hello, Daniel. How do you do, sir? Uh, we're not at our regular uh, location. We're upstairs from the Comedy Cellar because downstairs they're filming this week at the Comedy Cellar for Comedy Central today. So we're actually in the official podcast studio. I'll be taping later tonight for that show. All right, you have some topical material?
1: I have some.
2: Well, a lot of it is, um, like this week they said, like, one of the topics was uh, it's um, marriage season in New York. And that, that was one of the topics they listed. So I'll do my marriage, Jim. Well, I guess, our guest is
0: going to tell us uh, how to predict when a marriage is going to end. Anyway, Wayne Fetterman is an actor and comic. His multiple TV credits include Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yes. Larry Sanders show forty year old Virgin, legally blind and tonight show Jimmy Fallon he's also the host of History of Stand Up podcast yep uh, History of Stand Up podcast and a professor professor at
3: USC yep I do a lot Natterman does <laughs> all right he also I, wrote, you don't a book, know. You don't wrote a book by the way he also
2: wrote a book a biography of Pistol Pete Maravich
3: really true the uh, definitive biography according I, I, to a company called ESPN. Uh, there have been a lot of anyway. Let's go. Let's yes, sponsor. there has been a lot <laughs> yeah. of those books. Yeah. So you talk about rain.
0: Okay, so f- and and our and our our uh, our big get. and I'm very excited well, to I, have I, him. Well,
2: I thought Wayne was at least <laughs> as big. Jesus. No, he he's, no. Wayne wrote the definitive biography. You didn't hear me apparently. Uh, Pete, uh, Pete Maravich, <laughs> Pistol Pete. Yes.
0: Uh, what, what's the guy who wrote the the like Lyndon Johnson the the the, the big those Caro. St- Carl? you're like the the Carl of sports uh, oh, sports book. Put hope.
3: myself in that league, but I'm on. Thank okay. you for saying that. Our, who's, the,
0: who's our big guy? Let's Arthur get to the big guy. Arthur Brooks get. is a social scientist professor at Harvard University. Yes. <laughs> now, you you feel feel a little, USC. little embarrassed about that USC I thing? <laughs> I don't
4: know. I mean, it's, like, it's a, you know, people pay good money to get into USC. Well, what it, are you teaching? pay, pay good bribes of, to get can, into USC. To be, to <laughs> yeah, be fair,
3: right. to be honest, to yeah. be honest, I'm an adjunct professor, uh, uh, which okay. means... Not a professor. That's uh, what I was okay, okay, let me finish Not this. A... What, Washi- you're
2: teaching sh- sh- comedy? Dan,
0: let me finish. Well, we, we haven't finished Wa- Washington yet. Post columnist. I'll yes. start over. Social scientist, professor at Harvard University, Washington Post columnist, and author of the national bestseller, Love Your Enemies, How Decent People Can Save America from the Culture of Contempt. He is the former president of the American Enterprise Institute. Welcome Arthur Brooks. Thank you. I have to say this is very intimidating
4: of the forum the only non comedian. I'm not a comedian. I'm not. Well, Noam no, is not.
2: not a comedian and you forgot to introduce back. I'm actually from... the, I'm the, I'm the only non professor.
0: Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and, <you laughs> forgot oh, to introduce... and and our producer is back from the from from Tel Aviv, from what, uh, Periel Asher from Occupied Palestine. From Occupied Palestine. <laughs> 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 Did you have a good time? Not funny. Oh, good. her mic's off. Perfect. <laughs> All right. So uh you uh, "Is my gun Test it.
1: I don't know. Is my mic yeah, on? Yeah, there it is. Now Welcome it is. back,
0: Pariel. We missed you.
1: Thank you. I missed you guys too. I just learned that um, Dan and Wayne, and our beloved Gary Goldman did a tour of Israel together. Okay, the first,
0: can, can we can we get to Arthur Brooks? Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. no. God He's forbid. The He's
3: the big get.
2: No, God forbid we had discuss anything related, either remotely or closely, to stand up comedy. <laughs> he bristles. Well, I think I'm we, not saying the whole podcast has to be that. But even, even a sentence is too much, okay. for now I'm on So <laughs> what, what we
0: will get into, because contempt, I think, is well, uh, tangentially related to stand-up comedy. As a matter of fact, I think most of what you guys do is contemptuous <laughs> of people. It's probably why I'm, uh, I'm not a big fan all the time. Anyway, so I, I, I read, you know, I, can I be very honest? Because first of all, I, yeah. I, I read Sam Harris's book about lying. Did you uh-huh. read that? Yeah. Sam's yeah, great. And you never, he says you're never supposed to tell a lie. Never. And, um, and I find that- Which is a lie. Which which I find that hard
4: to swallow. It's tough. It's tough. Depends on. I mean, there are types of lies. People lie to protect themselves.
2: We're not going to talk about the Epstein suicide. One second.
0: So I I try I try to not lie, but I'll tell you this. I notice in myself that uh, when I get a nonfiction book. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've actually finished a nonfiction book cover to cover in 15 years. I get 60, 70% of the way through. What percentage of my book did you a- around, read? Around 75%. That's more, pretty more, good. Yeah, That's you know, like
4: more than I did.
0: Yeah, yeah, more than usual. Because Probably more than my wife. Uh, uh, well, uh, because uh, uh, I find that as opposed to a novel which builds to an ending— uh, I think people who write nonfiction books, they probably struggle with this, how to keep, there's no arc, like you've kind of, you, you've discussed, you, you, it, there's a law of diminishing returns with all
2: yeah. nonfiction Yeah, you
4: books. pretty much got the Generally idea. Generally
2: speaking, yeah. Yeah. you can summarize, yes, I find nonfiction books, you can summarize in a paragraph, uh, like for example, a black swan, you, remember, you know the book Black Swan, black mm, swan? Yeah. It was Nassim Taleb? Yeah. About 400 pages, 300 pages? I could summarize it very easily. Sometimes shit happens you didn't expect. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that's I if I, there's well, any more in that book, I didn't
4: see. Yeah, so books are usually 5,000-word articles stuffed into a 75,000-word uh-huh. cover because they got a contract to do it. And so basically, you you, you 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 ventilate it. You get a bunch of examples. You say the same things over and over and over again. And if you've got limited time and you've had good focus in the first couple of chapters, you got it. Right. Mostly, you don't have to read more than 50% of the So book. you're not insulted. You're not, I'm not insulted at all. You our dear me? friend
2: Jonathan Haidt our dear friend Jonathan Haidt wrote a book that can be summarized as: people have uh, opinions and they stick to them. <laughs> no.
4: So he, he's a friend, John. John, hi, yeah, John. And I've been working together for years, actually, since before I went. I, I ran a think tank in D.C. called the American Enterprise Institute. Before that, I was a professor at Syracuse, and that's where I met John Haidt. We were doing. We wrote books on happiness with the same publisher. Oh. Right. So you feel. So, so give us, give us the, the, the nutshell version of, of your book. Don't look, I don't want to do it. I want you to do it. So people ask, how come we can't get along in the United States anymore? What's wrong with our political system? Why are we so polarized? Why does everybody hate each other? And the answer is this thing called motive attribution asymmetry, which is you know it's a fancy way of having a pretty simple idea, because that's how people get tenure. <laughs> and motive attribution asymmetry is basically, I think I'm motivated by love, but gnome is motivated by hatred. And Noam same, thinks the same thing about Arthur. And if we're thinking that about each other, we can't come to terms on anything, and we will be enemies. And, and and by the way, we're wrong, because we can't both be right. It's impossible that we're both motivated by love and the other one is motivated by hatred. Now, what happens is that when groups have this implacable hostility, it's always because of this, and a lot of political science has gone into it. The Israeli-Palestinian conflict is a classic case where both sides think that they're motivated by love, but the other side's motivated by hatred. And for the first time we find that the level of motivation, motive attribution and asymmetry among Democrats and Republicans in America is the same level as it is between Palestinians and Israelis. That's what's going on in America today. Well, and the result of that is that we have this culture, not of anger, not of intolerance. I mean, tolerance is such a stupid standard, right? Like my wife and I tolerate each other. It's like, dude, you need counseling. Or you know th- th- these are not the right standards. The standard is not to is not to treat each other with contempt because whether there is contempt, there can't be love. You can't work together. You can't cooperate. How do you that's define contempt? Define. Contempt is the conviction of the utter worthlessness of another person. That's a that's a that's a definition from Arthur Schopenhauer, the 19th century philosopher. And when you see it, that's by the way, the world the the, the, the most likely you talked about this before. What leads couples to divorce? eye-rolling. That's the first thing that marriage therapists will look at is derisive humor, sarcasm, jokes, sarcastic jokes, and eye-rolling. Because they say, you're worthless. I'm not just mad at you. I have a cold emotion. I don't have a hot emotion where I want to change you because I care. I don't care anymore. And so I roll my eyes. I make a joke that that dismisses you. I I basically treat you as worthless. That's contempt. And that's what we're doing to each other in the United States. And that's the reason that we're in in the, 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 the trouble we're in right now. So okay, the, my first question. I know, I know, I don't want to get dragged into this, but uh,
0: are, it, <laughs> drag it in, man. Let's no, do it. Because I, because I don't want to talk about the Arab-Israeli conflict, but I can't help it. It came into my head. If, yeah, if are, are you saying that the uh, that actually the Palestinians want to live side-by-side with the Israelis as much as the Israelis are willing to live side-by-side with the Palestinians? No,
4: I'm I'm saying that neither one really wants to live side-by-side. But a big part of the reason that they actually can't come to terms is because of a cognitive error where they think that their motives are one thing and the other side's motive is exactly the opposite. And so one of the ways that when this happens, for example, after the Rwandan genocide or after... You know, the, the African National Congress took over after Mandela got out of prison after 20-something years. The way that those conflicts actually cooled down is when you got human beings together that were able to assess each other's motives at the human level. because you know, Motive attribution and symmetry is wrong. You know, it's, it's impossible. You know, I'm motivated by love and you're motivated by hatred and, and, and mutually we think the same thing. And so the way to make progress, yeah, maybe one side is more wrong than the other side. But if you want to make progress because you want to live together in some sort of non-violent equilibrium, you have to get past that. You know, and we see it all the time. It's crazy. You know, I, was, I had read this article about motive attribution and somebody blowing my mind. This is in 20... 14 or 2015 in the run up. This was before the the election. I was doing the speech up in New Hampshire because I do like 175 speeches a year. It's what I do for a living, and and it was this big conservative event. It's what, what
2: I, I do for a living. Yeah,
4: my speeches have jokes, but yeah, I know they're funnier than mine. I mean, mine <laughs> are like occasional jokes. By the way, I was at the Aspen Ideas Festival in June, and I was giving this big one hour speech about the science of love, and I was super into it. I was telling some jokes, and I look at the audience, and who's sitting there? Jerry Seinfeld huh? is sitting there, and 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 I was. I was not funny the rest of the time. I was so intimidated. (laughs) I was, was, yeah, totally tightened up. Anyway, um, he's a very good guy. Was he rolling his eyes? (laughs) He didn't roll his eyes. Thank God, (laughs) he didn't dismiss me. Uh, uh, and, And so I was at this thing in New Hampshire, and and I said in the middle of it, I said, you know, look, I know you're all super conservative. I got it. You know, I agree with you on most things on taxes, national security. I agree with you, right? But let's remember the people who aren't here: political progressives. Which, by the way, is a large part of the audience listening to our podcast right now. I said, they're not stupid and they're not evil. They're Thank just you. A, They're just Americans who disagree with us. Right. And this lady puts up her hand and says, I think they're stupid and evil. <laughs> and it was a joke, right? I mean, it wasn't very funny, but it, you know people laugh. In that moment, and he actually was kind of an epiphany for me morally, because at that moment I thought of Seattle. Why? Because that's my hometown. I, I come from a family of artists and academics in the most left-wing city in America. So, what do you think my family's politics are? I'm the black sheep. You're the, you're the Alex Peek. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm the outlier, man. I mean, I, I, I came, came. You know, I, when I was 28 or something, I was I came home from wherever I was playing in the Barcelona Symphony in the time and I was coming. What do you, what do you play? French horn. French I was in. The, I was a French horn player for the first 12 years of my career, and I and I was coming back from like from, John Entwistle. Yeah, Incredible. and and I come back and I'm with my mom in the kitchen. And we were cooking dinner or something, and she's real quiet. And I said, What's on your mind? She said, Your father and I are very worried about you. I said, Yeah. She said, Have you been voting for Republicans? (laughs) It's like that, right? So this lady says, I think they're stupid and evil. And she's talking about my mom. And I tell you, my mom wasn't stupid and evil. I had great parents. I think they were wrong on a lot of stuff about public policy, but who cares? Right. You know, they taught me to have good values and think for myself, which I did at great inconvenience to them. So, And so, and, and so this is an example of motive attribution asymmetry symmetry and it's incorrect and it's ruining our country.
0: So I, I, I've intuitively uh, feel and have felt a long time the same way as you. And that's why you have, you recount something in your book where you got some nasty email, some nasty, like really, really long email. yeah. And rather than not answer or answer back in kind, you answered back reasonably and were able to strike up a relationship i think the person asked you to dinner or something like, like yeah. that and i had the same experience when we went through this whole thing with louis ck here i was getting tons of very very nasty oh because you
4: were the first this was the, you were the first guy the first club he played right yeah
0: and and i was and i was vocal about defending his mm-hmm. right to perform and i, I and, and i got a lot of really really nasty emails and I sat down and I answered each and every one, ignoring whatever insults there were. And just, and said, listen, this is how I feel about it. And a link to, right? and I don't know the exact percent, more often than not, the, the next email I got was a totally different tone. Like oh okay well maybe maybe you're right about I a mean, few I was shocked at how people yeah. would turn around as soon as they realized that I didn't answer them with the same.
4: They well, they almost, just, like, there's a human on the other side of the email. That's well, they like, were
0: actually a little embarrassed yeah, at no. some point I, because I, all I, of a sudden they realized oh that I, no, I I I was such an asshole and he answered like a gentleman. Yes,
4: yeah. I'm not yeah, gonna yeah.
0: do that That's again. That
2: hasn't been my experience on Facebook when when arguing with people and trying to be polite and always avoiding ad hominem on principle. And just and just receiving such hostility for Perielle's sake. What does that homonym mean?
1: Fuck you. It does. <laughs> mean, exactly what what it does
4: mean fuck. Yes, it does mean <laughs> fuck <laughs> you. Um, the ancient Latin version. More I, or less. I don't find that I
2: I I, I calm anybody's uh, spirits by by trying to be reasonable. But in any case, uh, social but, you, media you, is but, very
4: different than email for this reason. Social media anonymizes, and so if you're dealing with an anonymous person, that person will not become more reasonable when you humanize. But on hey.
3: Facebook, it's not anonymous, is it? Well, it's,
4: often it's people he doesn't know yeah. that he's getting. Oh, okay. Oh, or, exactly. or it'll be it's, people it's, who are blind. It's, it's not right.
2: anonymous, but it's one on. It's not one on
4: one. Yeah, either, and so and I don't but, but email has, is basically a, like the telephone. I mean, it's a, there's a person on the other side who's self-identifying, and they're sending uh, through an email across the transom. Gnome, oh, who's I guy? Gnome, he, he's not going to. He's not going to read this, so that, I'm going to
0: insult them. Wait, there's another difference between Facebook and emails. I don't know if it's significant, but it occurs to me: is that Facebook, you're doing it in front of an audience.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a yeah. and email is a con- is a one-on-one. Yeah. One and so thing. And that Facebook brings out
4: bullies. You know, bullying behavior requires an audience. Yeah, you're in, pl- you're playing to the crowd. Yeah, something like eighty percent of the cases in playground bullying, the research suggests that the the bully actually requires an audience to actually want to be oh. a bully. That's how you exert dominance. You have to. Sh- I mean, look. What, how fun is it to be dominant if nobody notices? It, it's not it. fun to be dominant if nobody sees you. So so. So, so I have a few
0: things I want to talk about, but the, okay. le- how At, does now now given all the thought that none you, of them will be on my list. By the way, I'm gonna, you're going to do your list too. Uh, the, <laughs> I want you giving everything that you've um, put into this yeah. thought. When you see uh, what happened with, I um, do try to include Wayne as best you can. I'm Trump's well, you can jump in I'm when doing, you I'm when jumping. you see the way the. What would Pistol Pete think about this? Um,
3: let's, let's hear the question. <laughs> when okay. you okay. see
0: uh, the. Trump gives a speech. The media covers it. A shooting in El Paso. Then people accuse Trump of being responsible for the shoot. What, what do you see? And you see this kind of just thing feeding on itself, heading into a in a bad direction. Obviously, mm. what goes through your head seeing that it's
4: who's making the mistakes? What should they be doing differently? So basically, when I look at the data that show that 93% of Americans hate how divided we become as a country, that's incredibly encouraging to me, right? But that means – Ironically, the only thing we agree on. Except that means 7% don't hate how divided we become as a country. And that's the outrage industrial complex. That's basically the super-partisan media outlets, the politicians that are just at the fringe on the left and the right, and they're basically setting us against each other because it's good business. 7% is a lot. The other 93% of us, we have a bad habit. There's a part of the brain, a very ancient part of the brain that was developed before the. Prefrontal cortex, you know the part of the brain that you think of behind the big lobes behind your forehead. That's the prefrontal cortex. Some bigger than others. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was some are huge like mine, but that's just you can see (laughs) it a lot. Those who can't see me, I'm bald. I'm good for podcasts. Anyway, the the point is that the this thing called the nucleus accumbens, deep in the brain, governs your 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 habitual behavior. And so when you do something that gives you a little reward, you start doing it unconsciously. That's the reason we get into good and bad habitual behavior. You know, smoking, I wake up in the morning and light a cigarette. I smoked for years. And and I never thought about it. You know, I was just... Smoke and that was because it was my nucleus accumbens working the same thing is true with your communications So when you get into a habit of treating people with contempt without thinking about it it gives you a minor reward in the Neural pathways involved with dopamine dopamine is something. It's a a hormone It's a neurotransmitter that makes you feel kind of good when you do something You get a little shot of dopamine when you say what a you're an idiot You're an idiot and it gives you a little shot of dopamine and and it reinforces the behavior in your nucleus accumbens the way to reprogram that so 93% of us are Treating each other with contempt, but we hate how divided our country has become, but we're part of the problem. Hmm. You see the conundrum here. The way that we break out of that is by changing our behavior on purpose and, and 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 reprogramming our nucleus accumbens. And the way that you do that is by stopping when you feel the stimulus to the behavior and putting as much space. Like the Buddhist masters, I always talk about putting tons of space between stimulus and response. You know, like your mom was a Buddhist master because she said count to 10 before you get angry. Same idea. So, so put lots of time in there, and then choose your response. When you feel contempt, stop and do something else instead.
0: So, what you're saying is that the modern technology is like perfectly designed to uh,
4: uh, to be poisonous to everything evolution has. It's the hypodermic needle. It's the hypodermic needle of contempt. Exactly, it shoots it. You're mainlining it, man. And so, what you know, the best thing that we could possibly do is putting like a a a forty minute delay on your Twitter messages. Or, or just get off Twitter. There's that. That's a. I, I call that a social media cleanse. It's like a juice cleanse. It's a high colonic of of, uh, of social media. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not on Twitter.
1: You're you know, not allowed I, to be on Twitter. I, <laughs> you know, I, I recognized
0: very early in Twitter that this would be a bad idea. I, I saw how easy it was to get yeah. sucked in, and I didn't want to be but that But if you guy. make a
4: commitment, here's the interesting thing. You can take these tools that, are, that can be profoundly negative and, and, and lead to the culture of contempt, you can turn them into something really, really good if you make this commitment. So it's weird. So I, I was talking to this guy named John Gottman. He teaches at the University of Washington in Seattle, the world's leading expert in marital reconciliation. He, he's the guy who talks about eye-rolling in contempt, as a matter of fact. he said When he's got a couple that's about to get divorced, he says the good news is they almost always still love each other. The problem is they act as if they hated each other. So he has to retrain them to their communication patterns when they were first in love. And the way that he does this, one of the ways, he makes them carry around notebooks. And you have to write down five beautiful, nice things to say to each other before any criticism comes out of your mouth. So you have to write it all down, right? And so it's like, man, she picked me up late again. I'm going to lay into her. I can't believe it. It's so irritating. But first, dinner last night was delicious. And I got to tell you, you look beautiful. And I love your mother, Forget that one. Anyway, you get the idea. Like, you, you got to go through And by the time you get through the five beautiful things, you don't get to the criticism anymore. Okay, so here's the commitment. For everybody who's listening to us on social media, wants to be happier, more persuasive, make other people happier, and be a force for good instead of a force for bad in our society. Make a five-to-one commitment rule. Commit yourself. Say, I'm going to do five. I'm going to do the. I'm going to do the five to one rule on social media from now. This guy was on my podcast. John Gottman came on. He said, "Do the five to one rule on social media." I am not going to say anything snarky, anything nasty, anything sarcastic, anything negative at all until I've said five beautiful, positive things. I'll, I'll do the suggest the, uh, that to the comedians. <laughs> I'll do you. I'll
2: do you
3: one.
4: I'll do
2: you one better. I have a, a, a five to zero ratio. I don't say sn- snarky yeah. things. I say um, uh, concise. Uh, thought out, uh, profound things, <laughs> heavy that, on the profound that are that, that are inevitably yes. taken as aggressive. racist, aggressive, <laughs> anything that you will. There's almost nothing you can say that that, that won't be interpreted by someone in a yeah hostile for sure. Fashion. Somebody but will I, look for them I don't snark uh, on it's my important. on my Facebook page.
4: Well, if you do, a, even if you do a five to one rule, not a five to zero rule. I mean, be, go easy on yourself. You won't get to the one. That's my point. Because you, you'll change. See, this is the point about being positive. When you express love, you feel love.
2: but this sounds like hippy dippy stuff. I'm not saying I'm a hippy dippy man. I'm saying remember, he's a French horn player. I'm a French. <laughs> I'm a social <laughs> scientist,
0: reformed uh, French horn. Oh, okay. wh- wh- Dan, which character in Peter and the Wolf with the French horns? Oh, good. Uh, I don't know. Uh, the, the grandfather.
2: But I will try next time. I get mad at Noam, and if you if you lose, I'm sorry. The hun-
0: thought- no, no, not the, 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 the wolf. Sorry. No, no. The, the yeah. grandfather oh, was
2: the, with the bassoon.
0: Yeah. So, oh, I don't true. know any
2: of up here. The wolf, the but wolf was the French.
0: Wolf? The wolf. I bet you remember something from fourth grade. Next time I'm about to. I have kids, so we play this.
2: Next time I'm about to lay into Noam.
0: So, who's the composer Who's the composer? Kofiev. Okay, go ahead. Next time I'm about to lay
2: into Noam, and if you've listened to this podcast, you know that that happens. I will try to think of four or five positive things. And, uh, but I suspect I'll still get to the negative, but we'll see.
4: As long as it's funny.
2: Well, we'll see about that. It's right.
4: By the way, Wayne's an excellent musician as well. What do, you play? what do you play, Wayne?
3: Well, right now it's piano. Right now it's piano, but I started out on other instruments. But the last 20 years, I've been very deep,
4: deep dive. People. What do you play? What, what do you play on piano? All 88 keys. The black ones, the white ones, the whole thing. Sometimes I press that pedal. I do a lot of things. I That's do a crazy. Lot of things. What kind of music do you play? No, find?
3: it's mainly pop, you know, just oh, yeah? like pop stuff. But and you, jazz. Your stuff? It's a little of my own, but mainly jazz standards is kind of uh, like my do thing. Do you read music? Do you read music? Just chords. Just, just chords. Just
4: chords. Just chords. Okay.
2: I, I learned I took piano lessons for a year. Classical piano, yeah. you know, with uh, Beethoven and Mozart. And I mean, I probably would have quit anyway, but mm-hmm. I don't know that that was the best way to turn a no, young person not. on to a, a musical instrument is with the
3: what if you? What if they started with Lady Madonna? Like something like that, like a song. That that might have, yeah, that might have... You know what I mean? That would it, it does
0: matter, like it does. because like, I'm teaching my my ki- my kindergartner to read, mm-hmm. and he had no interest till I got him some superhero stories, and then yeah, now he reads really really well. I mean, he, he, yeah, he, yeah he I mean for years no like in, in
2: school they made you read the classics. I mean, how relevant is Edwardian England to a high school student? <laughs> I, I never got
4: through any of the, the whole. Yeah, world, I, the, I read the, my but,
1: six-year-old like dirty joke then, books. Oh well,
4: you write your six-year-old dirty dirty joke books.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're for kids. I have to call child call like,
4: protective services. They're not that. I'm literally they're not. Legally responsible now. No, they're like dirty <laughs> I'm for kids. I'm sorry, I have to. So, do you have a Title IX office <laughs> or something? I know <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm anxious to get back into politics, but just, you know, I once tried to read uh, David Copperfield uh, because I felt like, oh, you're supposed to read yeah. David yeah, Copperfield. Yeah. I threw it in my garbage chute. Did you? Out of outrage. After 100 pages, I said, Is this this was a joke, right? It's, the it's a gag. It's <laughs> really gets interesting. I
0: mean, you missed it, it. it. Everyone's in on it. Everyone's in on it. I've been yeah. reading uh, a Crime and Punishment, actually, mm. and it's pretty
4: good. It's really it good. Is? It's pretty good. The job. difference is that Dickens doesn't, I mean, it takes, you, you got to get a couple hundred pages. It's they're super long. You got to get a few hundred pages yeah. into it before they pay you get paid. by the word, word, right? I yeah, I actually <laughs> did get paid by the word. <laughs> I don't get paid by the word. <laughs> Dostoevsky is interesting from the first page. Yeah, it's yeah, amazing. it's amazing. Yeah. So, all right. So uh,
0: uh, Swami, what do you call the the guy like the the hippy dippy guy and the, the Dalai Lama? The, the uh, <laughs> what do we call you? Like the the our guru. The guru. I'm your happiness guru. Um then explain to me this. Because obviously this is some bias Gnome's in the lotus position. This right is now. some yeah, yeah. this is some bias in my part. I feel like on the left the reflex to cancel, which is contempt Mm -hmm. is different and more honored and more respected and considered more righteous than it is uh, on the right. It's, you see it on the, on the fringes of the right, but you see it in the mainstream of the left. Um, And you see it in a million different places as ridiculous as a, uh, you know, a Harvard firing a defense attorney for taking Harvey Weinstein as a client. And um, so are they both sides of the same coin in your, in your estimation?
4: Yeah, I think they both. They manifest in different ways at different times. I think that what, what really are different sides of the same coin is identity politics. Um, identity for the longest time was associated with who you are deeply. And it was a real noble idea. Today, it's kind of what you are. That that's what identity is. It's 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 what's your category? You know, what's everything from political views to race and gender and. And the problem with that is these are boring, factual questions in a very big way. The story of who we are, the why and the who questions are really what make us human. And when you're dealing with identitarian politics, which you find deeply on both the left and the right, they're going to mass- manifest themselves in the cancel culture that we see sometimes on college campuses or, or, or in mainstream media. And the, you know, the identitarian politics that we actually see in mainstream conservatism today. Or, or what what we would have thought of as fringy stuff, but okay. is isn't anymore. As the owner of the Comedy Cellar. Yeah. I can't remember ever maybe getting
0: a complaint from a customer about a joke that came from yeah. uh, from a, a right wing customer about any joke, and they, and they get hammered. Right wing, uh, yeah. right wing get hammered. Yeah, on yeah we, stage. we get
4: we're, we're used to being made fun of. All but, the time,
0: but that's yeah. But I mean, there's tons of material. God, the 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 irate complaints I'll yeah. get from from some someone on the left. I... Why do you look at me when you say that?
4: <laughs> 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 so it doesn't. Are it. you the only liberal in the room, Farell?
2: Well, I'm a centrist. I don't Are know. You? And Wayne, I don't, I don't, I'm you, pretty
0: Barry.
3: centrist. Are I'm, you? Pretty, I'm pretty centrist. Yeah.
0: I consider myself centrist, but apparently the world considers me far right. (laughs) I've been been independent before it was cool, but you know. No, I'm I'm not. I'm not far right. But on some things, I think, I guess I am. Um, so,
4: yeah, so this concept of
0: contempt... Yeah,
4: but people... The cancel culture is really interesting, and, and part of the reason is because you live in a in, in, in a progressive ferment. You know, we're in Greenwich Village in right. New York City. You can't find three conservatives to rub together. That's and if you not
1: fun- true. There are so many conservatives running rampant through this city. Be that as it may.
4: <laughs> <laughs> deeply, deeply undercover. But it, it, you know, when, you, when you look at the, not just the voter rolls, but the public opinion polling in places like... You know the, the Silicon Valley or Seattle, Washington, my hometown, or you know any of the big Eastern cities. You find that these are places that have siloed, and and the result is they haven't heard different points of view for a really, really long time. I mean, if you go to I don't know Waco, Texas, likely as not you could say something that's just a little bit progressive and be perceived as somebody who's utterly pathological. Well, do but, you
2: think a comedy club in Waco, Texas, if somebody made a joke that was making fun of uh, the of the right? That you would get the same response that Noam gets uh, from when 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 a comedian makes fun of the left.
4: You know, I you know what I do think is that if you went into uh, an evangelical church and you said some stuff that was really deeply sacrilegious, you'd get a lot of complaints. And, and we are in a progressive church in Greenwich Village, New York City. I mean, and, and they're practicing yeah. the left-wing sacraments. Nevertheless, it was famously reported that when Bernie Sanders went to
0: speak at some evangelical church, whatever. Uh, Liberty University. Liberty University. Was Jerry
4: Falwell's university.
0: They, they listened res- respectfully. They had a respectful you know? hearing,
4: yep. Yeah. Yep, yeah, they did. It's absolutely true that they did. Um, on the other hand, you can- I can, can give another example. The, the, the Atlantic
0: Magazine can't tolerate Kevin Williamson Because they find out that he's pro-life. Yeah. So, but the National Review has no problem tolerating someone who's pro-choice. Now, think about that. The people who are inclined to think that this is murder are ready to tolerate somebody who's in favor of the murder. Right. But the people who think that this is just a woman's right to choose can't tolerate someone
4: who doesn't agree with that.
0: That doesn't seem to me to be uh, uh, c- no,
4: and congruent. I don't mean to practice both sidesism about it either. I just think that everybody's prone to the same problem, and it manifests itself in different ways. And I'm open to being time. disabused. Yeah. I'm trying to look at it is, objectively. But if you look at it like a Trump rally, there's not going to be a whole bunch of you know ideological diversity or a whole lot of embracing of ideological diversity in, that, in those circumstances. You got people wearing shirts <laughs> it's a lot like diversity. Whatever comes out of his mouth yeah. it doesn't matter for conscience. So that's the last thing he said. <laughs> <laughs> with like, it. I love immigrants. I hate immigrants. It's like cheering. Whatever. Right? right? I mean, it's just, it's because it's... Tariffs, no tariffs. It doesn't matter. No tariffs till after Christmas. <laughs> like, you know? oh. It's like policy. I know, I know. You can imagine my crying game as an economist. <laughs> uh, he's out of his mind. Yeah, but but anyway, my, my point is that this is a problem with identitarianism. This is a problem with identity politics. This is how polarization works and it manifests itself differently in different communities. And I don't like what goes on in cancel culture. I don't like it particularly because I'm a, I'm, I'm center right guy on a college campus. I, right. I don't want to get canceled, but at the same time, what can I do except be consistent with my own values? Make sure that I'm not practicing anything that's like that. Also,
0: there's so much self-censorship. We know about it. I read about it in some articles today. Uh, I, I've talked to journalists. There, there's a tremendous amount of self-censorship that goes on by people who might want to express Even centrist views in some cases, like uh, Biden is backtracking about whatever he said about uh, people should wait in line uh, to get into the country as immigrants. Um, I don't sense that there's any self-censorship going on on the left. They say whatever they want. They're not worried about anybody.
4: You know, the funniest thing is when you talk to people on the left and and you get a couple of beers into them, they're more worried about self-censorship about these progressive red lines than conservatives are. And, 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 to the extent that they might agree, yeah. Well, they or that they, well, or most liberals that I know, they really believe in free speech. They believe in free speech, and and when something is when there's a, a culture, a cancel culture, they can fall prey to it too. You know, <laughs> this is an interesting thing. So you notice that 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 people who are sort of the super woke all the time, they're more worried about making sure that that Biden. Toes the line more than they are about Ben Sass because they have they hold him to different standards, and so you know I think that, that that people all over the the political, all across the spectrum are a little freaked out right now. Wait,
2: can I get back to your point about uh, the both sides? In a debate, in this particular case, when we're talking about America, the left and the right, think the other side is evil and
4: stupid. Yeah. Right. Um, okay, so... Actually, most both sides don't think that, but they act it as if they do, and the progressive and the, the outrage industrial complex is whipping that up. Isn't it possible, in any dispute, one side is
2: probably right and one side is probably wrong? And so the one side is, if not stupid, at
4: least misguided. Well, it's, it's a good point. Uh, John Gottman, the marriage guy... Um, points out that in most dysfunctional marriages, both sides are wrong. That, it, 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 that both sides think, I'm motivated by love, but you're motivated by hatred. Both sides actually love each other. and They just don't express each other. They just express, express themselves right. When we talk about in the American public, when you look at this public opinion polling, most liberals are really reasonable. And most conservatives are really reasonable. And neither side actually hates the other side is motivated by hatred both are motivated by love which means that that's it's, you know it's pretty even as a matter of fact it's a very interesting group called more in common
2: but they might not necessarily both be equally right yeah no,
4: yeah no I don't want that's the 50-50 paradox you know people used to say during the cold war you know the united states is not completely right and the soviet union is not completely right so they're both 50-50 wrong well well that's stupid the United States was, was, a, was a, a, a good player, was good for the world, was a gift to the world, and the Soviet Union was a scourge, a cancer on the world. That's just a fact, right. right? And that doesn't mean the United States was 100% right all the time. So you don't want to fall prey to the 50-50 paradox. But at the same time, I think that the data don't lie on this. You know, People are more reasonable than we give them credit for, and we have bad, bad habits in this country, and we should assume the best motives from everybody if we're going to make progress. So let me tell you who you're letting off the hook. Yeah. The journalists. Yeah.
0: They, no, the Outrage Industrial Complex. I'm not letting them off. They really deserve contempt. <laughs> they, they truly do. Because, you know, for instance, without going into the specifics we did last week, every single one of these, you know, the, the, the bill of particulars against Trump, the dumb things that he said, whether it's at the rally, the shoot him person, or the, uh, um, the, the, the Charlottesville, in, every, in almost every single one of those cases there was a certain amount of language that was basically dropped from the story because it diluted the concentrated his evil badness. of the story. His, now, that, his, is, yeah, yeah, right. now and that is not to say that I think, uh, on balance, he still didn't say things that were terrible or that really annoyed me. But whenever I would go into reading it and actually go to YouTube, download this, say, oh, well, they left this out. They left that out. As a matter of fact, there was one story in the Washington Post that I actually went, and I and I wrote... They actually had it all wrong, and the and the post changed the story, without mentioning in the uh, the mistake in the story. They just right. did it like under
4: the radar. Yeah, I mean that that's actually unusual changing something without saying something about it, but I take your point. I will send it to the it was shocking. you, and and I take your point that that it, you basically what happens is you you have this manichaean universe where you think somebody's bad and, and you, you want to make the point that he's bad. Manichaean. Sorry. This is not
2: the Harvard campus. This is <laughs> this is serious
4: raw dogs. <laughs> 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 Manichaeanism is a black and white world. It's all good or all bad. You know, so the, the these this is this kind of heretical proto-Christian movement back in the in the 3rd and 4th century, and they thought that the world was equally weighted between good and evil, and that good and evil were fighting against each other, and they were these two dualistic ideas. And so if somebody who's Manichaean today says, there's right and there's wrong, and if you're on the wrong side of it, you're all wrong, and if I'm right, I'm all right, so it's very black and white, very black and white thinking, and you know the, yeah, that's all I'm to say. Black and white. If you exactly, that's you're right. Say. See, this is my my seventy five thousand word book. You know, it's like <laughs> you ruined my new book, man. Anyway, so what happens is that when somebody's writing about Trump, for example, and they want to make the point that he's being unreasonable, that he's being a demagogue, that he's inconsistent with this, that, or the other thing, they want to. Take the parts that are extra bad to make the point with special emphasis. Right. And that actually can be, that, that actually can, can, can manipulate the point and, 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 and not even be completely honest. And if you're a journalist, that uh, I think you have a right to,
0: a journalist who does that has a, has a right to be looked at with contempt because you're violating your
4: oath. By the way, I'll give you an example also, a subtle one. With criticism, if not contempt. Contempt okay. is never productive. All right,
0: fair enough. So you know the expression? Oh. We're shocked, shocked. But seldom is yeah, yeah. seldom
2: is being horny productive either, but you can't stop.
0: It. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what is the, uh, what is the defi- what, what is the usual meaning of that when somebody says I'm shocked, shocked to find means out? Means you're what, not shocked. It means that you're not shocked, and and does it's it the mean, Casablanca does reference. it does it mean that you're that you're kind of in on it? Yeah,
4: yeah, I think it sure. Does. I mean, it's it's basically it's kind of fake. It's. Uh, it's Fake surprise and, and 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 complicity. So
0: in Casablanca, I think the guy who said it was actually he says it's shocked shock to find gambling, and then they they bring him his gambling proceeds. Right. right.
3: So reigns rains, if I'm not mistaken.
4: Maybe call it So uh, Glenn Kessler pulled it out of the hat. Impressive. Very good. So he plays the piano. He teaches at USC. He writes about Pistol Pete and yeah,
3: a lot of skills. So uh, Glenn
0: <laughs> Glenn Kessler, you know Glenn Kessler is he's yeah. like the fact yeah. checker of uh, uh-huh. right. so you know there's there's reporters in my mind is there's, there's reporters. And then there, who were supposed to be, there's like, supposed played straight. Right. And then there's fact checkers who were supposed to be like godly, like the, right. the you know, the sterile operating room of journalism, <laughs> right? So he tweets, Glenn Kessler tweets, after um, Epstein's suicide, says, Bar Colin. he says, I'm shocked, shocked, I'm running a completely incompetent operation. About? About the uh, the prison. Right. Yeah. Now, what would you, what, 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 meaning do you take from that tweet?
4: That means that, that there was, a, I mean, he's, he's, he thinks it wasn't an accident. He thinks it was, well, that's, a, yeah. That, or that's incompetence. A, so. Yeah. He thinks that's basically, he's suggesting conspiracy. Or, or that Barr is pretending to, uh, right. but,
0: but that he. Yeah. Yeah. He's Justice Department. Yeah. This is the fucking fact checker of the Washington
4: Post. What the hell is going on here? There's a different problem here besides just the expressions that you're talking about, which is that people believe that Twitter has a different set of rules for journalists. You know how many journalists have ruined their credibility forever? You know, they do that all day long. I don't know if I agree with that.
3: I don't know if I agree. I feel like I see journalists all the time. Once a while, the guy in the Washington Post just got demoted for the tweets, right? That was the
0: New York Times. The New York Times. He just
3: got demoted. I don't
0: think anything wrong with his tweets, by the way, but go ahead.
3: But I... Uh, all the time, I see journalists say crazy, outrageous things, and it defects their career in no way whatsoever. In fact, solidifies them. With yeah. you know, am I wrong about yeah, that? Yeah, I
4: think I think. Well, you know, I, I understand what you're saying because they they don't I, they don't I, appear to lose. They, professional don't standing, they don't get I haven't canceled i have seen very yeah. few get canceled yeah but you know the the, and the you're truth saying, of the matter is long term you've got nothing but your credibility that's all you've got i feel you know, this is we, can
3: i yeah, just yeah. counter this yeah, real yeah. Quickly? i really feel like we're in a new stage with journalism anyway
4: hmm. i feel like you're
3: writing to your readership and you're not writing then that, that's your main thing and if your readership is this it's gonna you will be rewarded if you give him that information,
4: yeah, you look. You might, I may be wrong about pay, this. So might, it's a pay per click culture. On the other hand, you might be right about that. What um, do you think, Dan? But I, I don't know, Dan.
3: Um,
2: <clears throat> well, I think that uh, I think Wayne has the has the stronger point on this <laughs> argument. Uh-oh. That 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 uh, Dr. Brooks or was it? Uh, are you a doctor?
4: Yeah, I, I, I am. You can or call professor me nurse Brooks. nurse Brooks if you want. Yeah.
2: <laughs> 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 professor, uh, professor Brooks. <laughs> professor Brooks. Uh, professor uh, tenured, I believe him professor No, I don't. Have, I'm a professor of practice. What, what's,
0: the, what's the dispute? I'm not sure I understood this. Whether,
2: whether journalists he, journalists say things on Twitter that are that are ridiculous. Yeah. We, everybody's agreeing to that. Yeah. Uh, uh, professor mm-hmm. Brooks says that it's ruined their credibility. Uh, Wayne is saying it's it's actually enhanced their credibility at least
4: among their readership. Right. Well, that's both. They're, they're not contradictory points. Actually, they're actually compatible with each yeah, other. That's... I think that what I'm suggesting. But
3: what can, what journalist has been canceled because they
4: said? Yeah. No. No. That this it's. I it's feel a, like I haven't seen any. It's short term gain. This is what everybody's doing. But everybody's you're, playing short term.
3: You're you're pretending. All that we have is are, a short term. I'll they're, give an example of both. Yeah,
0: Joy, yeah. Joy Joy Reed. Okay. She had that ridiculous right, stuff. Right. She comes out and says that it was the you know she was hacked and then the you're calling the FBI whatever it is mm-hmm. and to to I think to, to, re, to regular normal people she's lost all credibility to the MSNBC audience she's been elevated she's like so you're the, making my point well but also his point she yeah, I mean, she, she lost and she also gained is, but on, on, on balance
2: on balance in her career she's gained. That's yeah, my point. I, I don't know. I and don't that's know.
4: That's what
3: know, I, mean, you, you know, I, say- I think you're talking about something in the future that you. I feel like the evidence yeah, isn't yeah, no, in no, no, whether what happened. It's a
4: non-testable hypothesis. Right. But, but think about it. It's a non-testable hypothesis. It's a non-testable non-testable hypothesis. Hypothesis. So, <laughs> so just, But I think that 10 years from now... Can't be tested. I mean, what is she going to... Do you think Joy Reid is going to be... I, think, you know, I don't a, talk a, about After prediction. the era of Trump I, I, again, is going <clears> to <throat> be a serious
3: journalist? It might be worse. It might be worse after Trump. Look, all a, we have is a short term. All we have is now. All, like, all we have is now. Are you saying
4: that in the long run we're all dead? That's what I was saying.
0: So just to be clear, so am I... Like, this is a, and and it's amazing that this even, didn't even get any attention. Like I'm the only person who even has commented <laughs> on so this much. tweet.
4: I mean the volume that's like this, but
0: this I is mean. no ordinary no, guy. I this is the fact checker. This is Glenn Kessler. It's like Joe Scarborough, but he got a lot of attention. What, what he tweeted he about
4: how how, how Russian.
0: But he just with no factual basis whatsoever. And well, by the maybe way,
1: there is some. Factual and, and no, there basis. isn't. There's no
0: fact. And and the, the even the idea to think that the Attorney General is involved in the day to day operations oh, of a gym. prison and sh- and. And prison guard shifts and overtime is Why so do absurd. Why you think that's so
1: absurd, though?
0: Because I can't even get the floor mopped in my restaurant <laughs> of, of forty people. Right. And, you know, th- th- this is, how many people work for the justice department? No, no, there's
4: no conspiracies. This is the Wait thing. A second. There's no conspiracies.
1: No, 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 no. This guy had dirt. Wait, do on... you? Do you?
2: Oh, so Periel, you think that he was murdered?
1: I think that it's very possible that he was <laughs> murdered. I think it's it's so possible that people murdered.
3: She's you know not,
0: it's like she's, not she's not stupid she's not Milded. stupid no no she's, no, not, she's stupid. not stupid <laughs> look lots of, look, actually she's this stupid. is really important what is saying <laughs> let, me say, <laughs> wait, let, me just, let me just say this five nice like, th-
1: I want to say five nice <laughs> things first yeah, yeah.
4: Well, a, she only had one of her five fingers in the air just now so
1: <laughs> I think it's absolutely insane that you are suggesting that it's so outlandish that that could have happened okay that somebody I, I don't think I'm I, not I,
0: suggesting that actually uh, but I, I do think it's outlandish but that's not what I was suggesting what I was suggesting is that in The the fact checker of the Washington Post... Should not be writing things like that but unless he has fine. some piece of factual that evidence they can, to, su-
4: suggesting that. Conspiracy. I want to hear what considering that's what he does for a living. Yes, check. Facts. But I want to hear what, <laughs>
3: what, what
2: what what Arthur had to say. I'll call you Arthur, I guess.
4: You can't. You can call, You know, Doctor Arthur. Um, yeah, what, yeah. what you were <laughs> about Dr. to say to Periel when she you said a lot of people believe
2: a lot of that it was people murder. believe
4: this, and so you have to take it seriously. Look, it's
1: super. Did fishy. you hear that? You have to take <laughs> me seriously. as a sociological phenomenon,
4: I believe. I oh, want to be friends. Oh, I love everybody. I think
2: there's an outside. Chance and a very outside chance that it was murder, but I think if it was murder, it will be quickly discovered and it won't be Clinton and it won't be Trump. It, it, it might be somebody that doesn't like child molesters well, in the prison, they, but they, even then, I don't yeah, think it's
4: murder. A lot of people the, are saying that. The, the Occam's razor, the most obvious, right. usually the simplest explanation is correct, and, and, and that standard suggests incompetence in the public sector. Right. I mean, anybody who thinks that, the, you know, the prison system, I mean, God love them. It's a hard job. <clears throat> but nobody, no, nobody's looking at making sure that, that everything is going right in, in the prison system. It's, it's, and, and so the result of it, look, I just I flew into LaGuardia Airport in New York City, which that should work right. You could put a billion dollars into the gaping maw of the poor authority, and it wouldn't get better, <laughs> right? And that you know, the, the, the mayor of New York City right now is running for president or trying to unionize the squeegee guys or whatever he's doing, and it's, nothing gets better, right? Well, the
2: Aunt Danny's so, pretzels are, should be more uh, ubiquitous. Yeah.
4: So <laughs> why, why, would we th- why would we think that the prison system would somehow be intentional enough and efficient enough? That something like this couldn't happen. That's the most obvious case. However, it's fishy enough, and and, and your your skepticism is warranted. And there is motive. That at very least, we shouldn't foment conspiracies,
0: which is Gnome's point. Yeah. I mean, the most. Li- I, if somebody told me that, Epst- that Epstein, uh, I'm
1: gonna have you here on all of our shows to stick up for me. No, if if
0: somebody said, so, you, "Do you think maybe Epstein told the guard, listen, look the other way,' and I made arrangements, you'll 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 find a million dollars in your mailbox, whatever?" Yeah, totally, totally possible.
4: But, be, but that's not but that, that's not the implication. Of right. You're that's saying. not the implication. That's plausible. That somebody me. bribed a prison guard so he could kill himself. Yeah. yeah
0: but the idea that some influential—I mean, if they—if if you were going to murder Epstein, you had all kinds of time to do it before he actually went behind bars with guards. I'm like, if you're one of these powerful people, you know what's coming. Get him when he's still in his
1: apartment. I mean, fine, maybe, fair enough. But also, is it that outrageous that somebody bribed a prison guard to go kill him? Right,
0: I don't want to call you the Fredo of our podcast yeah. here, but let, let's discuss... That's on the list. That's on the list. Go ahead, let's discuss well, Fredo. Well, first all, if, if,
2: if <laughs> very, quick, very, quickly, very quickly, if somebody bribed the prison guard to, mur- guard to murder him, yeah. another prisoner, for example... I suspect it would be very, very quickly found out. Um, I don't think that happened, but if it did, I think it would be very quickly found out. And I don't think it's the Clintons that are pulling the strings. There was a really funny tweet
1: that Hillary Clinton said, "Oh, um, Epstein suicide." Something going on with the sound. It keeps. Would you stop interrupting? Epstein suicide was so horrible, and then she tweeted again and said, "Oh shit, that was supposed to happen tomorrow."
3: Oh, so she's I'm sorry, Dan. I, I, I hung an in innocent man. <laughs> 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 no, that was
1: really funny, Wayne. Why do you keep saying murder? Do you think it's insane? You think there's no way? He- well,
3: look. Who knows? Who knows? I'm o- I'm open to it, but I to go to murder just seems to me from
0: a guy who had every reason to kill himself.
3: Yeah. Uh, yes. Had a lot, of, a lot of. But yes, people wanted him dead. I assume to keep those secrets. So there is motive, but. I seems... feel like
1: he's such a narcissist, though. Like, I don't know that he really fits the profile. I think Dershowitz had him done done in. <laughs> anyway, we can't... I
0: mean,
2: you know, so, if Clinton had to... If Clinton murdered... Had this guy murdered, how many people would have had to have been course, in on this course, conspiracy? That Clinton didn't have. No, I, 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 know. We, did. I know know that. No, that. No. I yeah, yeah. I'm saying how many. Yes. Theoretically, if he did, how many people would have but to
0: that be would in be on? True it? with anyone. Sid when, Blumenthal well, no. would take care of it without right. even without him being asked. He knows. He knows how to. T- he's the bag. You'd guy. have to Rick, have the guards
1: were to in on it. Somebody in a New York City prison.
2: It is. It's hard to keep it a secret. That's what's more, more, more difficult, especially when you're the president, the former president well, and the, doing and it.
1: And then the, the ironies
0: just are so, like, Trump is such a dick, right? And he's tweeting these conspiracy theories. He said that, that uh, Ted Cruz's father killed Kennedy, all this stuff. Now, nobody hates Trump more than Joe Scarborough, right? What's well, the first thing out of Joe Scarborough's fat mouth when it was, it was, is a conspiracy theory about how very Russian of this. They're all out of their minds. They're seething. Se- Do you used to watch Morning Joe? Yeah, I'm on it sometimes. Oh, uh, I don't watch it anymore. Yeah. I stopped watching it. I, I started to call it Morning Grudge. Like at some point, I realized this is not the kind of well, like, um, those all fair-minded political conversation.
4: Shows, every political show is the same show every day. It's the same show every day. They do, it's, basically, it's basically they should all be called Beating the Dead Horse. Right, but Joe's show used to be interesting because they really
0: did have, as close to any show ever did have, a mixture of smart people on, on various sides of an issue with good vibes between them. Having a conversation, and, Smart I, really about, yeah. and during, I really enjoyed that during the and period of,
4: of polarization that we have and populism that we have. To, every nothing's fun, nothing's funny. Have you noticed that nothing's funny anymore? Yeah. Because everybody's offended all the time. Nothing is funny,
1: well, and
2: so everybody's taking. You haven't heard my joke about my cousin <laughs> Sheila. I,
4: <what's> that? <laughs> Tell me,
2: <laughs> come on, <laughs> man. Uh, but it's not political anymore. So,
0: so let's hear. <laughs> let's hear about uh, uh, um, Chris Cuomo. Who wants to go first? What you wait what what's your reaction on the Cuomo thing? It's well, the best first story all, ever. I, yeah. It is the first best all, story the, ever. The, the,
3: the cover again, I'm visiting New York for 3 days and the cover of the Daily News and the New York Post today was phenomenal. What was it? both of Well, the New York Post had like them dressed as the Godfather's, you know, at, like the, the the three the three of them Who and was then, the three? Oh, with, the, with the dad? Yeah, the dad, the oh. other brother and yeah. and it was just great. It was like I'm back in New York. I love it. I, first of all, I never knew Fredo was a slur. It's not a slur. Uh, that's so. I don't think it's a slur. <laughs> I don't think it's a
2: slur. It's a slur if you're against the dumb,
4: not against Italian.
3: <laughs> right, 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 right. I mean, what and, was the
4: what was his point though when he you said you're the, the Fredo Corleone? Because he
3: was mad that he got called the stupid brother.
4: Is that and that's and, and, all it was, right? And that's in my opinion, and there's and by nothing, opinion, there's nothing underneath that. Yeah, right? he got nothing... mad, the,
3: and so in today's culture, one of the third rails is you can't make fun of someone's ethnicity. So he was using
4: that. As, am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is what I so so cultural of offense that? effectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's it's, interesting it's is that politics. he took yeah exactly. It well, was you were a, talking about he, a, a, he had an identity response yeah. to a pretty stupid, innocuous comment.
3: Right, and I again, I don't know with this family, I don't know what the whole okay. thing. But so his response was like, "Oh, I know how to hit back. I'm going to call you racist." Is basically what happened, right? Yeah. yeah. So it I mean, went so nuclear. Yeah, and then he and then he seems a little roided to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> am I wrong about no, that? No, he does. He's slightly. Roided, yeah. I hate to say that. That's yeah, right. a conspiracy thing. <laughs> I know, but it, no, I'm talking about his. Are you like, shocked? Shocked? Like his in, uh, uh, <laughs> his initial reaction was so violent, just being insulted. Right. Like I'm going to push I, you down I, the I think beard. that it's. Am I wrong? I, I, well, am I overreacting? I, I wasn't
2: seeing roids, but but now that I think of it, it's possible. <laughs> my my thought was my thought was is that. This guy hit a nerve. Yes. Everybody has their uh their, <laughs> I'm their smart. Right. Everybody has their their, their 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 you know their what's the point of what's the word I'm Achilles looking for? Achilles, Achilles, Achilles heel. heel. Yeah. I, Neuralgic gnome uh, no, was called a racist once on this podcast and he Flipped.
0: <laughs>
1: he did he
2: out? He flipped. He Tell flipped. me what <laughs> happened.
0: I don't remember. You, you don't re- I remember. Dan I remembers. forgot
2: what the context was, but somebody called or implied that he was a racist. He took his headphones and he says, "Fuck did you! See what they do? You know he." So everybody has. And so I. You think, feel like that yeah, was his yeah. Achilles. I think seal. that's his Achilles heel. Yeah, yeah. He has some insecurity with regard no, to his.
0: No, you you no. totally misinterpreted my reaction. I, I it was <laughs> I had it up to here with what because I I was we were having a, a a nice argument about something and the guy was was getting. I think it was, it was a woman. She's getting slaughtered. And what they do is they right. throw Yay. up this charge, people, people who are getting slaughtered, they throw up this charge of racism to smear you and, and then you, and, and expect you to go back on your heels and get defensive and try to explain to them why you're wrong. No, I'm not a racist. I, yeah. I, my, my, wife's, my wife's of color, blah, 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 all the things that you want to resort to. And my reaction now is no. How dare you call me a racist. You can't. That's the worst thing you can say about somebody in 2019. Right. And you're you have the nerve to say that about me? Go fuck yourself. And I think that's a very good response. And if and and if she had any reason to defend it, she could have. She had nothing. My she point, doesn't like my ma, opinion. Ma, ma, my
2: point stands that 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 people do have Achilles' heels. Yeah, I'm I'm getting upset now with you <laughs> because by saying I'm
0: insecure about it is to imply that there's some there's something about it. Maybe there's a, you
2: hated the tactic. No, you hated. Yes, it, you I hate, hate the tactic. But I don't think you're insecure about it. I do think that that, that charge for you holds a particular uh, and, and toxic power. Uh, and I'm power.
1: worried
0: about, I'm always, listen, this whole podcast is a dumb idea on my part because I have a family and a club. What do I need to spout off my, my opinions on a stupid podcast? You could talk about so, Wayne's comedy right, career, So somebody can, you don't want to do that. Somebody can take it out of context.
4: <laughs> somebody take it out of context and ruin me. So that's why I get, and somebody's- Has that ever happened? Has somebody uh, taken something out of context in this podcast? It hasn't happened, but it will. Well, what,
2: do you, what do you think of that idea that, that, some, that Chris is – is, is, um, Can I say about Cuomo? Yeah. So there's, there's all kinds
0: of ironies here yeah, that, yeah. that 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 rush to mind. First of all is
2: – We'll never live this down.
0: That No. The first one is that if ob- – obviously, obviously, if this was some – and I think it happened. Like some people are taunting some people in MAGA hats – and the person in a MAGA hat did exactly the same thing. Chris Cuomo would, n- would be the last person to say, oh, you know, it's okay. They were, they were taunting him or anything right, right, like right, right, that. Right, so right. That, that really bugs me. I mean, Chris Cuomo, I don't even believe, covered when Andy No got the shit kicked out of him uh, by uh, those uh, uh, Antifa people. You yeah. know? So he, he, this is not exactly something he worries about, number one. And, and, but he was being taunted. I don't blame him for the macho flare-up not, at neither all. Neither do I. But— now I think that Ben Shapiro, who you know, who talks a good game, but he can be quite nasty sometimes. Like he talks about Nancy Pelosi's dentures, and it bothers me. And I think Ben Shapiro he's also calls
2: nasty it, when he talks about transgender community.
0: He was, he was, t- he was. Well, no, that's not. I don't think he's nasty about. It. To be fair, I, I think there he's trying to just state his opinion in a, 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 the logic of his opinion. But he, it, it's not a personal attack. Well, I've but seen he, him get nasty though. He I talks think. about Nancy, Nancy Pelosi's dentures. Look,
4: the, the truth is, we could all be. More loving and better, we could all be more loving and better. And I think I th- I see Ben Shapiro is getting better and and more loving and more humane. I hope every so. single year. And and he was taunting uh, AOC for a while. Yeah. And then he tried to play it off. Oh
0: I just wanted to debate her, but I I heard him. He so anyway. But yeah, for the most part, he's he's all right. But I think he calls Chris Cuomo Fredo. I, so this has become kind of a thing on the right, I and mean, Chris Cuomo probably had it up to here. Oh, so okay. So he 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 gets mad, and then he says it's a a. a it's like the N-word for uh, Italians. Yeah. Now, the first thing is, you know, who is the one that says that you should never compare anybody to Hitler? Like, this, this yeah. one of these guys... Uh is famous for this already. You should never compare any racial slur to the n-word. It just can't, it's 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 a singular word like Hitler is singular. It's
3: the greatest of all of them.
0: It's the greatest of all. You sound ridiculous right, right, comparing right. anything to the n-word. Yeah. Right. Especially, Especially Fredo. A, a character from a Mario
4: Puzo novel.
1: <laughs> yeah, I but mean, the,
0: but yeah. one thing that's not getting discussed enough is that he says, "Any you guys Italian?" and one guy says, "Yeah." And he says, "Well, this is all like right, it's but- like the n-word against our people." So now we have to believe the additional step that the Italian guy was calling him Fredo with the intention of insulting him for the fact well, was it, was that it the he was Italian, Italian
2: guy that made that comment. It was it, it was,
0: the, he was in the group. Was his, he was in the group. I don't know if he actually made. He might have been the one who made the comment. Oh, interesting. But, and yeah. then and then CNN comes and defends Chris Cuomo for defending himself for a racial slur. And do you know that now probably people will be afraid to call anybody Fredo anymore, even though it's a ubiquitous pop culture insult. I've had at least three people in my life that I've called
3: Have you Fredo. ever been called Sonny? N- no, I'm an only child. I can, I
0: mean,
2: can you imagine the... the,
0: the no, psych- that's
3: the other character. <laughs>
0: no, but I, I can't be called any brother because I'm... Oh, I got
3: you. But when
2: you think about the psychological uh, implications of mm. the word Fredo, you have sibling ro- To be the dummy of your family has got to be one of the worst charges that can be leveled oh, against him. Yeah, i got to no, tell you something I, else.
0: Yeah. I gotta say, and, then, and Cuomo says that's what they called the weak brother. Now, weak is such an odd word to choose to finish that sentence. The dumb right, brother right. says the weak brother because he couldn't bear to say dumb or stupid even to uh, acknowledge it. what the insult he was getting. And then on CBS, they, they described it as... Fredo, who was the ineffectual <laughs> brother from yeah, the Godfather. Yeah. No, that, that is, that is inter- ineffectual. That, that is interesting.
4: These things are all, I think it's simpler <laughs> than all this. The guy, some guy was bugging him when he was with his family, and he's had it up to here. I mean, he's a celebrity. But, he's going out, he's trying to have dinner with his family, and some Yahoo is bothering him. Uh, and, and, like the way no. they bother
0: right-wing people at exactly the resta- right. restaurants exactly, when exactly Cuomo couldn't same. care less? Yeah, <laughs>
4: that's a different issue. But the point it is, is, it's yeah. the same phenomenon. Yes. And if you're out and you're visible and you're tired of people bothering you all the time. And so he took the opportunity to get in the guy's face but and just said a bunch of nonsense. Do you don't think the nature of that insult, I mean, that's a yeah, powerful... I think it was a guy who was bothering him and his kids. Is anybody
2: on my side here? That Calling somebody somebody, somebody the who, dummy who, of their family
4: You feel like it's a is cruel.
2: a profound...
3: Well, first of all, you're assuming... Insult. It first is. First of all, you're assuming... Assuming Chris Como knows this movie and book, well, of no, knows. everybody knows. <laughs> this movie and book. No, I said to you, <laughs> I and don't. Bl- I don't. I
0: don't blame him for if, if he punched the guys in the, if punched the guy in the nose. I would have said, well, you're not supposed to do that. But I get it. Right. I get it. Somebody in front of your kids, you know, is, is testing you. Calls
3: you the stupid brother.
4: Yeah. Well, the stupid calls friend, you anything. They, bothers you. Just bothers they, they, you. The weak
2: link in your Brasses family. You. you come from a powerful family that you've probably spent your whole life trying to distinguish yourself from as equal to <laughs> and as good as. And somebody is saying...
3: That's why you, the insult... Well, that's why it's, it's Achilles' heel. That's, that's why what, it's a perfect insult. No, this is, this you is and I is are... But,
2: but, but that's not what Arthur Brooks says. Arthur Brooks says the insult is of no relevance. He was just being... It, it, it harassed. Well, right, he was right. with his family. No, he didn't. Yeah, say it. no he relevant. could have been called a poopy head, and it would have had the same. <laughs> let's,
4: let's let's get let's get Chris on the phone and let's ask him. Look, we've I been psychoanalyzing to, him. For I went to law minutes. school with
2: Chris. I, Did I you had really? very good Fordham law. He had it, the only thing that's changed is he used to have a Queens accent, but he. Uh, <laughs> I had nothing but good experiences with him. In, in, in Despite uh, the Queens accent,
4: what do you say about that, Periel? You're from
1: Queens. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Do I have a Queens accent?
2: <laughs> so, so we got
4: but years
0: getting away from it. We got we got about ten minutes left. I'm well, gonna let, I'm gonna let Dan go to do profession- his list. I want to say one thing that I'm finished. I'm gonna okay. let you do know. it. Okay. Do you know that Mick Jagger, yeah. uh, Michael Bloomberg, and Joe Biden are all exactly the same age yeah. right now? Isn't there a stunning difference in the in 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 the um, way age has taken its toll on Joe the three Biden, of them? Mick Jagger, and
4: M- Mayor Bloomberg? Mike, Mike and Mike Bloomberg. Bloomberg? Yeah,
0: huh. Isn't that interesting? I mean, yeah, Mick all Jagger, 70, 77.
4: seventy seven. They're all 77. 70, whatever they are. Yeah. yeah,
0: Mick Jagger is out there, and Mick Jagger is like a kid, right? And I, you hear him interviewed too. He's like, "It's boom. like
2: I'm, like, um, you know, and, I'm just doing my thing."
0: And uh, <laughs> Bloomberg is unbelievably sharp. I just yeah. heard him. And Joe Biden is like, I want to send my condolences to the people from uh, to what did he say from from Michigan and from Texas and and Dayton or where did he get? Michigan and Oklahoma. I, I, don't know.
4: O- yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, t- couldn't you remember the the, the Look, news the next day? But I mean, well, he's doing seven speeches I, a
4: day. He had to eat like a fried stick of butter at the but, Iowa State but, Fair. <laughs> give the guy a break. But
2: but noam's point is well taken. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, some people are ninety and spry and with it, and others are drooling in a cup. And, and you know, there's and, vast yeah, differences I, in I ages. Th- I think Such this age thing is serious. Age. And
0: don't forget, he's going to be president five
2: years from now. But this is a very good segue, Noam, into... Just think about that. He's going to
3: be um, president five years <laughs> You're telling me so if now. he loses and runs again?
4: No, 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 no. No. Just if kidding, he, if he runs it. again. It. Oh, yeah. it. This oh, is really? a good segue because you wanted me to finish things <laughs> yes, up. Yes, go ahead, go ahead.
3: Uh, into
2: uh, an article that uh, Arthur wrote that I found exceedingly upsetting. Oh boy. No boy. But I've, nothing that I haven't thought about anyway, but mm. devastating. Mm. And I think of particular relevance to artists, your article on professional decline. Yeah, and you the, said the it's Atlantic. closer than you think.
4: Yes, indeed, but it exactly Well, first of all,
2: don't, don't say it's closer than I think, because I think it's it's imminent for me.
4: <laughs> How old are you? How old are you? Dan? 49. You're 49. You look yeah. good. Look well, at the hair. Thank you so much. You know, you know, I saw I saw data recently on bald men, you know, and, and it was a survey. What's the first thing that a bald man thinks when he meets another man? That good hair? That that's what he's got hair. It's not right. And so it's always the same. So this is maybe <laughs> so, so if I were sitting in there with my family and the guy came in and he said, Hey Baldy. I'd freak out and probably kill him. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Uncle Fester. But look at you. Yeah, exactly. so you look great. Are you Thank me? you. Well, God, if there you is look one. You wonderful. You know what I would give for that hair? Well, you can buy it. How much do you right? want for it? Um, God gives,
2: uh, you know, he, he he does. I mean, I don't believe in God, and yet he does. This notion that he never gives you more than you can handle has some relevance to me because I couldn't handle being bald. Uh, it's, you know, you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, It takes some getting you. used to. No, okay. how do you live
4: with that? I know it's just it's a burden. But it's you such probably, a burden, but,
2: but only because you have many other things that I probably don't have. I'm sure you have a, a, you a, know, wife, that you. a wife that loves you. You're not you're not alone. You're not um, you. You don't have the mental issues that I have. Okay. <laughs> be, be, be grateful for it. I'm interested you in, are, in are, the decline. Tell me about it. The me- yeah, you're saying that that that. Yeah, I mean, how long? You know, every profession is different, right? That's yeah. what you said in your article, yeah. as to where they hit their peak. Yeah, Like mathematicians, oh, I, think I think you I said, this. is in... Uh, what's the peak? It's got to be, so peak, gotta be 20, peak, right? Well, no.
4: Well, so people who be. win the Nobel Prize in in the sciences, there's no Nobel Prize in mathematics, but in physics, chemistry, medicine, the average age when they do the discovery that gets them the Nobel Prize is 39. And then it, and it dives after that. The likelihood at 70 of doing Nobel Prize winning or, or you know major patent winning... Um, scientific discovery is the same at 70 as it is at 20, which is zero, basically. And so you get this big peak at different different parts of people's careers. Did Kahneman win a, a Nobel Prize? Kahneman won a Nobel Prize. Interestingly, he's in economics, but he's not an economist. He's a a social psychologist. But it was work that he did with Tversky much earlier in his career. Much earlier, okay. And and so people do the most inflecting, inventive stuff when they're earlier in their careers because they have higher fluid intelligence. Fluid intelligence is your analytic capability, it's your ability to solve problems. It's highest when you're in your early 30s, and it starts coming down precipitously. The average age for a, a tech startup entrepreneur is 31. And it comes down very quickly after that. However, there's another intelligence curve called your crystallized intelligence curve where you're able to synthesize different things that people say. In other words, you use the, 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 the learning from others and you put it into... You use it with your vast library to combine ideas. You become a better teacher. You become a better synthesizer. That increases through your 40s, 50s, and 60s and it can stay high through your 70s and 80s. So stop trying to be an inventor when you're 50. Start becoming an instructor when you're 50 and you will... Win, because you'll be on the Wayne, right success Wayne curve. Wayne
2: Fetterman is at USC teaching. At USC, this is relatively you know, new.
4: Absolutely. And it's super satisfying, right? No, but <laughs> <thanks> for being <laughs> presumptuous. Worst teaching evaluations <laughs> in the department.
3: <laughs> okay, how old was Al... Einstein when he came up with that He's, he was in his twi- early twenties, right? Yeah, yeah, with for sure.
4: Well, and, and and the truth is that back in when we're talking the ni- in the tens and the teens and twenties and 1930s, you needed to know there was a lot less to, a corpus of knowledge you had to know to do fundamental you know frontier busting work in physics. So it's getting a little bit older because you have to take longer to know more stuff just to but, get okay. your PhD. At and this you point. also
1: died much earlier back then, didn't you? Yeah, well, you I don't put,
4: believe that. That's you what feel like happened it's was mortality. No, I think that. that like,
1: the founding fathers
2: they all had to be like in their 80s I think no Washington was in his 60s I mean. yeah Washington well, was in his 60s
4: no, the problem was that the only reason that people and probably have died would have lived
2: longer is he had an infection a lot it, of them it was communicable late.
4: diseases so basically you get a blister or a sliver you die or something people think that the world is getting worse it's so insane the world is so much better I was just talking about this today of it's course it's so much better any- in virtually every way yeah life is better in virtually every way, but yes. that's just one w- of whether them.
2: Whether we're happy or not is another story.
4: Yeah. But life, so, life
2: is objectively better. We may, we may not be any happier.
4: Mm, yeah, no, that's actually interesting because one of the things that's making us live longer and with greater literacy and lower childhood mortality, we live in a country in the United States that's getting cleaner with a cleaner environment. That's because we have better grasp of complicated problems. We have these people with high fluid intelligence that are solving these engineering young people, problems. Young people. The problem is that the complex and adaptive <laughs> human problems, the love and happiness stuff, the the faith, the family, the friendship, the service toward each other, we haven't gotten better at that. And can, that's can, the new frontier of, of human flourishing and progress. You change. think we
0: will ever get better yeah. at that?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that actually this is the next thing that we're gonna start seeing. The new frontier, what people of the great innovators, is not gonna be a new app. It's not gonna be a piece of software. It's not even gonna be biotech. I think that the new frontier is actually going to be our, our knowledge of how people can have lives of greater solidarity, love, brotherhood and and fulfillment. Exactly. And that means studying, studying and solving complex and adaptive human problems and not just, you know, building better and better toasters.
2: When you when you just to get quickly back to your article on professional decline, I, do you have any opinion on the peak age for comedic uh, 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 comedic ability.
4: Yeah, so in virtually every creative field, uh-uh. Uh-uh. creative field, and, 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 this and again... This is not going to be good. No, 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 it's I good. It's-, it's 20 years after the onset of the career. That's generally speaking where the peak happens, is 20 years after the onset. Now, it's interesting in a lot of performance not fields because... Yeah, yeah, it is, actually. In generally music? speaking, Now, I peaked super early as a musician. I was doing my best playing as a French horn player when I was 21 years old. And I started my professional career when I was 19. I got kicked out of college, dropped out, you know, kicked out, splitting hairs. At 19, went but on the that's road.
3: Anecdotal. Yeah, not that, not that's anecdotal. I'm That's
4: my own kid is I anecdotal. I mean, I think everybody no, has he has,
3: ev- he has data no, 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 for no, no, I got that.
4: data on the 20-year rule. That comes from Dean Keith Simonton, who teaches, he's a social psychologist, teaches at the University of California, Davis. He's the world's leading expert on the cadence of 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 careers. Now there are this lots includes composition? Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it does. Now, again, there are outliers. There are outliers. Who,
0: who are the people that are not outliers? Who, who are some examples of people who are like, you know, exactly the archetype of...
4: So if you go back a long time, they would die of, you know, syphilis. And so they couldn't actually get to their 20-year career point. You look at Schubert, for example. Schubert dies at 31. And, and that's because he got sick. And so he didn't he, peak yet. Yeah, he probably had not peaked yet because he hadn't didn't start his professional career when he was 11. He was probably 9 or 10 years away from his peak. So how old was... Beethoven, like the fifth, sixth symphony, in there. So Beethoven, seventeen seventy to eighteen twenty-seven. He died when he was fifty-seven years old. He was probably pe- well, sort of. He he did great, great work. When I'm talking about peak, I'm talking about your ability to push the frontier of innovation. That's why I said around the fifth, mean, sixth, so
0: seventh symphony. That's, that's yeah, his peak probably, yeah, that's his right? peak
4: for innovating as a, as you know the the pioneer of the of the the romantic era in classical music, right? And so by the time he was writing his seventh, eighth, and ninth. Or his Eighth and Ninth Symphonies, may be his greatest works, but they were not pushing the frontier of a the new vernacular. Is... You're not hitting to the eighth? No, I'm not a big eighth. Is he good. your favorite? Uh, Beethoven by far. Beethoven's yeah, your favorite composer? Here. By far. Same the, here, dude. Really? The greatest composer who yeah. ever lived is Johann Sebastian Bach, however. I like Bach. And Bach is really interesting. Well, just, who doesn't was...
3: like Bach compared to Beethoven?
4: Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. For sure. Now, Beethoven's great because he was the greatest orchestrator who ever lived. But Bach started out his career as the innovator of the high baroque. I mean, he was the man. Yeah. He also, by the way, had 20 kids, which is productive. A lot of them were musical. Yeah, no, he and, and some of them became more famous than he was, overtook him in fame over the course of his career. But what happened was when he was about 50 years old, he lived from 1685 to 1750, so 65 years old. By the time he was about 50, he had peaked. And his his stuff, the High Baroque, went out of style. His son, C.P.E. Bach, Carl Philip Emanuel Bach, was at the cutting edge of the new classical period. Everybody was listening to C.P.E. Bach. People stopped listening to J.S. Bach. His stuff became really antiquated. And so he turned himself into the master teacher. And all the stuff he did for the rest of his life was kind of like... Textbooks. He was writing a piece called The Art of Fugue at the end of his life to to write for posterity, the greatest that had been ever thought and written in the high Baroque. Nobody'll ever play it. Maybe it was a textbook. And what happened of course is like Copperfield, you read that, right?
2: (laughs) So this is key but
4: the key the key point is look, you guys, we're all gonna peak... What we can do is get on the curve of wisdom, of instruction, of service, of bringing along new people, and we can stay successful on those terms until we're really old, and as such, we can be really happy.
2: Well, I, you know, I haven't noticed, but maybe others have, a diminution in my capacity as a comedian, either as a writer or a performer. I'm 25 years in yeah. No, no, I'm sure you, you're thinking of the Beatles. By the way, when you when you when you when you okay, question uh, yeah. his, well, that Beatles, seems like an obvious Wonder, example all, all of, of your 20-year old not holding water because the Beatles yeah. were in their 20s when they did their best work. Well,
4: the yeah, I mean, the, I don't know when the Beatles would have done their best work. It's hard to say um, if they had actually stayed around and 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 stayed. Uh, they had not broken well, off. If sp- it had not been for Yoko Ono, I think they would. Let's have done look
3: their at Springsteen. Springsteen. Wait, I that's think, your argument that you think. That the Beatles would have been
4: better. Nah, I don't it's, know. I mean, the Did truth you roll is, your eyes? With a light, You rolled your eyes in, in <laughs> pure <laughs> was,
2: just,
3: I
0: was. Say five I, things nice about him before right, you're going a, in for yeah, a first yeah,
4: no. First of all, you know, I the, love that watch. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, it's like, I don't know. I don't know how to assess that. Plus...
3: I just feel like it's intuitive that most bands are good early in their career. I feel yeah. like they don't peak 20 years in. They don't, like that 20 would be years. Out- they don't get 20 years. They
4: don't get 20 years. They don't oh, get 20 years. Oh, I see years. what you're
3: saying, because they're not popular anymore. Yeah, I mean, they're, 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 the, they're the
4: vicissitudes of the demand side on popular music are such that they can't get the cadence of their full creative capacity. They can't get it. I mean, look, how many I years look, do you get? One I mean, year, you're two years, the five years? Pe- well, well, creative capacity. Capacity. well,
2: also, with, with, popular, music, with popular music, youth is youth is an additional... Like, nobody cares if a comedian is a little older, right. but a guy on stage they has to be cool and good-looking... So maybe that's also a factor.
4: Yeah, there's, all, there's an interesting maybe. factor that I'm, comes I'm with. I'm saying the same
2: with Tom Petty,
3: and I, I, I liked his whole career, but yeah. I do feel like his early. stuff. What about is... Springsteen? Springsteen
2: picked same. up a guitar at about 15. Yeah. At 25, he wrote "Born to Run." At 35, he wrote "Born in the USA," "Dancing in the Dark." Which I don't know which you would consider better. Yeah. You
3: feel like his peak is in 19 in the 80s, but his peak is I certainly, feel, certainly I feel not not now. Most of
2: his fans would say it was in the 70s. Yeah. And, and if
3: they're being, a, what do you think? But his, his, well,
0: I had my own theory on this. Yeah, you do. Which, which is, uh, I'm, as a I don't mus- mean to ignore. As a mu- We're going to go As on. a musician playing, yeah, I can see you getting better and better and better as, as, uh, Charlie Parker, you have more style. years and life, yeah. more rich life experience and, and all the Charlie that Parker things. died at
3: 35. That's yeah. what I meant. Yeah. yeah. That bad example.
0: But I've had this theory for a while that, when it comes to people like the Beatles or Chaplin or, or Prince or whoever that seem to burn out, there is something probably genetic about these people, which uh, they see things differently than anyone else ever has in some way. And they mine that vein uh, that makes them different. And the world is, is just taken with this because, because they have never heard this before. And then at some point, the mind begins to to wear out, and then they've peaked. It's a little, and bit, I don't know a, if that's with age. Well, there's
4: a, there's a, there's another influence on this. Which you know what is, I mean? Yeah. Right? There's another other influence it's just like, is, it's just is like a personality. Well, there's no. It's melancholy and addiction. You know, the truth is that the world moves forward creatively because of melancholics and addicts. The the world is made better and more beautiful by depressed people and people who are addicted. That's just a fact. And not not exclusively. There are a lot of people who are like really sanguine, happy people who do really beautiful creative things. But we all know that, that artists and intellectuals disproportionately are addicted and they're depressed. And and that takes a toll. I mean, and a lot of people die, a lot of people burn out, a lot of people can't handle it anymore. Okay. The interesting thing Oh, can I say and,
0: one other thing just reminds me of there's there is also another aspect of all this mm-hmm. with, with both with Chaplin and you know acting, and is that youth is also part? You're not going to peak yeah. in rock music at 45,
3: right? That's that was the matter. Yeah. That was the natter, You got to look good. I, I, yeah. Nor yeah, as this a leading is the demand man side that we're right, talking right, about. Right, yeah. right, right, right. So yes. we can't really tell. So like in classical yeah, so music, yeah. it would be a for different sure. Thing. No, no, nobody
4: cares what a composer. Nobody cares if you're like you know. Henry the, on, Mancini on could the, write until he was seven. Yeah, on the internet, nobody knows you're a dog. The old New Yorker cartoon. You know, and in classical music, nobody knows if you're bald. But but but
2: had had
3: um, okay. So there's other aspects.
4: Yeah, but but I think my point is in in the new frontiers of what we're going to be able to do to extend creative capacity, when we can actually recognize that that so this year, for example, seventy three thousand people are going to die from drug overdose deaths or drug overdoses, 45,000 people are going to kill themselves. These are the highest numbers in those two categories in American history. This is the opportunity of our time to actually look at these people as the resources to push the frontier of American creativity of of innovation if we can just figure out a way to harness what actually what the demons are and help them solve these problems so that's what i think is going to be the most interesting kind of innovation do, that we Do we're You gonna have a book on this i feel a book plug coming on I don't have a book plug but it's 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 uh, it's it's just ferment all right it's bubbling <laughs> all right we got to wrap it up you know i bought like
0: 12 copies of your book and i handed them out i all heard that them. thank yeah. you no yeah, yeah. I, I, I appreciate ra- I was that very... I did, did you very... find
4: him like in dumpsters around the comedy yeah. cellar
0: <laughs> no no as a matter of fact i have one friend uh his name is uh, don fabricant he might listen to this and uh he he read the whole book cover to cover really and he was re- and he, he yeah. i knew there's got to be one <laughs> no no, no, no he, i'm say he was really taken by this book i'm glad uh, i'm glad oh, Wait, what's it. the title of the book? Love thy neighbor. I love love your, your, enemies. your enemies. Love your
2: enemies. <laughs> it's from,
4: you know, the. No, no, love thy
2: neighbor. Love thy neighbor. only 12 of it. Love your enemies
4: <laughs> Love your enemies. which is a, a, a radical <laughs> and subversive idea. <laughs> and look, your neighbor might be your enemy. But, but how old are you? I'm
0: 55. Do you have trouble remembering names at all?
4: I don't. Um, recall, Fuck. yeah, I, I actually. Grass doesn't don't. grow on a busy been, street. I know. <laughs> I'll, you know, I, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I, I do see changes in my creative capacity. I do. And in I'm what? a better teacher than I used to be. I'm better at synthesizing ideas. When I was what are you worse at, at? I don't care what you're better at. What are you worse at? I'm worse at actually discovering new things. So early in my career, I was doing like pretty sophisticated mathematical modeling using early artificial intelligence techniques to model economic phenomena. When I was a first and assistant professor right out of my Ph.D., I was using genetic algorithms to model tax policy, stuff like that. Right. And, and it was pretty cutting edge. And now I look at it and I don't understand the math. That I really? was writing, oh, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that experience. I used to do some Ouch. computer coding, yeah. and I had to go. So I don't really? remember how to yeah, yeah, do this yeah. at all. So really? now, yeah. I now what my, what I write books on is I, I look at the you know, the most interesting ideas that are going on all over the place, and I say that's a story. And so I combine the ideas, It's synthetic knowledge as opposed to original knowledge.
0: But you don't you don't find your memory decreasing in, I, I, in any noticeable I'm sure or. it is, but, but it hasn't I, actually been I do on you're, you're you're Michael Bloomberg, and I'm Joe Biden.
2: Well, if it feels like <laughs> everything
0: distributes on a curve, yeah, so, so I'm just a mayor. You're going to be president. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, a, a lot of people uh, heading toward their fifties. I I hear complaining about, especially with names. They forget names. M- most more people I know. You, most so, people you know. So, so I mean, you, maybe you Arthur is the outlier. I don't know.
4: But no, I do don't know. Do you know, we, know. Maybe we, I'm fooling myself. If you ask my make, wife. She'll be like, yeah, gosh, yeah. No. Well, everything. no, you, you would know. Yeah, uh, but yeah, we do. How old do you know? I'm fifty. Don't tell me. I'm fifty-seven. You're fifty-seven. Yeah. I thought I was the oldest guy in the room, Gary.
3: No.
2: Wayne,
4: Wayne. You thought he I'm might, the oldest guy in the room. How old are you? 60. 60. You look yep. good. How's yeah, your memory?
3: I've, I've always had trouble grasping. Names have always been the one thing that slips through. The one thing that, but that's been since, since I was in my 20s. Is that right? Yeah. But I, I'm pretty good. I'm, I think. <laughs> yeah. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, there aren't many 50 year old
4: Jeopardy winners. It's, yeah. It is something. Right, right, you do course. slow down, but yeah. uh, you so. look the youngest, Perio. I'm
1: 43. What?
4: Well, she incredible. is. She is the youngest, other than the you know.
2: She's putting that. on sunscreen. So how You know, it's what
4: you do. That, sh- this, sh- sh-
2: it's what happens
1: <laughs> when you have a good personality. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no stress of uh, of uh, deep contemplation. Well, anyway.
1: no,
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Mr. Brooks. I hope you had a good. Uh, Professor Brooks, I hope you had a good time at this. I love it. Do uh, you live you. in New York?
4: I live in Boston. I live he in. He uh, teaches at Harvard. Oh, Brookline, well, Massachusetts. W- when
0: you when you come to New York, you must come.
4: I come Some a lot, lot, right? Yeah, you got to come, come, a lot. Ha- come and, and, and hang out. I'm gonna come after we tape this. When is it airing, by the way? Uh, when th- are we airing? Thursday, Thursday. Tomorrow. It's okay, terrific. So tonight, it's Wednesday night that we're that we're taping, and I'm gonna go watch a show, Oh, yeah. yeah, we're go. Oh, yeah. I want to go see
1: Dan. I've never seen Dan perform. What? Oh, you got to. At least and I'm right. gonna come go see you too. I Which show I is can't he going wait. to?
4: you You're gonna end up going to the to the 9:30 show. You usually have comedians. You have a lot of comedians on the show. So, so the thing that I want to emphasize before we break, yeah, I'm not Albert Brooks. I'm we'll not Albert Brooks everybody calls me Albert Brooks I said I call him
0: Albert Brooks everybody oh, oh, calls me, call Albert? Brooks.
4: Everybody calls me <laughs> <laughs> Albert Brooks no 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 but everybody does you know hey Albert you know because he's more famous than I am oh, yeah. I met him one time uh, I met him one time and I said everybody mistakes me for you because you're so famous and he, and he looks at me and he says imagine how Adam Hitler felt <laughs> <laughs> he was so funny okay buy uh, Professor Brooks book do one to others it's
0: available <laughs> 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 goodbye everybody <laughs>